And oh yes, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon and thank you very much for tuning in to gospelbellsradio.com, your community Christian internet talk radio with the mission to engage the contemporary culture with the mind of Christ. It's the first Saturday of the month, the 1st of July, 2023. And as always, 12 noon, first Saturday of the month on gospelbellsradio.com. We are with us. Uh, their brother Shion Oyedele for Impact Clinic. I see all of you uh, tuning in right now and we thank God for your life. It's going to be another incredible time. Uh, with me right now in the studio, my dear brother Shion Oyedele. How are you doing, bro? I'm doing well, sir. Great, 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 great. Nice to have you around again for another session of Impact Clinic. Thank you very much, sir. Cool, cool. And of course, uh, if you received the notification for today's uh, session for today's episode of Impact Clinic. I'm sure you already have an idea of what we are discussing today. Again, just before we start, just before I invite uh, Shirin to start, remember that you can listen to back episodes of Impact Clinic. Uh, just ask for the link. It's right there on gospelbearsradio.com. So you can listen to back episodes of Impact Clinic. Uh, we already have three episodes now. This, this is going to be the fourth. This is the fourth episode. And by the grace of God, before the end of the day, uh, the link to today's uh, session will also be available. This promises to be a beautiful, beautiful time. Uh, it's the month of July, and from all of us here at Gospel Burst Radio, we are wishing you uh, a wonderful, wonderful month of July. Of course, it says scripture or culture. Scripture or culture, that's the theme uh, for today's uh, for the, today's engagement on Impact Clinic with Sheung Yedili and Gospel Best Radio. Once again, welcome, and now I hand you over to Sheung. Yeah. Yeah. Good afternoon to everyone out there. Good afternoon to you too. Uh, it's a blessed month already. Oh, yes. It's a great month already. Uh, can we just have a few words of prayer? Oh, yes. As we go into today's study. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the first half of this year. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the beginning of the second half of this year. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for victories won already. Mm-hmm. Thank you because on this study, you are helping our hearts. Yes. As we start the relationship series, which will span for some months, and we are starting today on the topic, scripture or culture. We pray that you illuminate our hearts. Amen. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. 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 All right, friends and family out there, uh, once again, I say happy new month to us. Uh, I want to celebrate everyone who had plugged in and those who will and those who will listen to the replay or on the SoundCloud to have, you know, to listen to this session again. I celebrate you so much. Thank you very much for being consistent with us on Impact Clinic. Once again, we are here uh, in Gospel Bells Radio, um, with the mind of engaging the culture with the mind of Christ. And Impact Clinic is a monthly radio program where we look at issues across board in our lives. I've always said that as a believer, you must understand that God has more for you than your spiritual life. Every aspect of your life, God is concerned about it. And so for the last edition, we looked at uh, believers' exploit. Uh, we want to thank God for the feedbacks we got here and there about that section. 
though time could not permit that we should, uh, you know, finish up on the content we had in mind to deliver. And I remember promising that we will try to look into that uh, before we go to the one we have for July. And what I was talking on before we ended the last edition was the pathway to doing exploit. We laid emphasis on the knowledge of God. We considered the fact that there are prizes to pay for anyone who wants to do exploits. And we looked at the prize of discipline. Uh, I'm just going to state a few more things briefly. Then we launch fully into today's section. I want to say that for anyone, any believer to do exploits, such a believer must learn to take responsibility. When you don't take responsibility, you automatically become a liability. Your gender notwithstanding. And we in church, you said that the price for greatness is responsibility. The price for greatness is responsibility. I also want to mention to you that you need to be committed to a studious life. A lot of people, once they are done with the school environment or academic environment, once they write their final year exam, they stop reading. But you look at a man like Daniel, who we were looking at his life in that section. You come to Daniel chapter 9, verse 2, and he says that, I, Daniel, understood by book. So any man of exploit must be a voracious reader. You cannot be a leader without being a reader. So uh, you must be committed to reading books beyond the scope of your job, beyond what you were taught in school. Because life demands more than degree from you. Life demands delivery. And you cannot deliver at your best if you are not committed to reading. And you also have to be committed to uh, a constant prayer life. Kenneth E. Hagin said in his book, um, the, uh, How to Fulfill Your Life or Living to Fulfill Your Purpose. He said that your, our life, a believer's life, is a product of what he has prayed for or has not prayed for. A believer's life is a product of what he has prayed for or has not prayed for. So I believe with this, um, you are set for a life of exploit. I also want to cast your mind a bit back to uh, the May edition. I said something during the May edition. I said, anyone that wants to live a peaceable life must get three things right. Number one, you have to get your relationship with God right. Number two, you have to get your purpose right. Number three, you have to get your marital relationship right. And that is why we will be launching into a relationship series from this July edition. I don't know how long it's going to take us, but we will, have, we will stay on relationship until the Lord impress on our hearts to bring up another subject matter. So today we are looking at scripture or culture. And when we say scripture, what we are referring to is what is the Bible injunction on how we do relationship? What is the standard of the scripture on how relationship is done? And when we say culture, you know, generally we say culture is the way of life. There are things that the world, there are ideas of the world that have been sold to us that have become a norm. 
And many people, even believers, fall prey of norms at the detriment of the standard of the scripture. So if you, if you ask me, I can use the word word, W-O-R-D, in place of scripture. And I will use world, W-O-R-L-D, in place of culture. So if we say scripture or culture, we can also say word or the word. So your view, the way you do relationship, is it based on the scripture or culture of men? The way you do relationship, is it based on the word of God or the world's view of relationship? You know, to say that the real idea and the ideal of marital relationship amongst, you know, both the married and the unmarried has been distorted is an understatement. The idea and the ideal of relationship in this dispensation, in this time and season, has been distorted. So, we lack the requisite knowledge. And you know, the scripture did not say that my people perish because they did not go to school. The scripture did not say my people perish because they are not going to church. The scripture says my people perish for lack of knowledge. For lack of knowledge. Isaiah chapter 5 verse 13 says that my people are gone into captivity for lack of knowledge. And so that knowledge is what I'm trusting God to help us push out to every believer listening to us this afternoon. And when you see relationship being abused, it's traceable to the fact that even believers are oblivious of the scriptural standard of how to do relationship. There are many, there are different, you know, views on relationship postulated by different people in the world system. But you know, we as believers, we need to get the real gist on the ideal of marital relationship if we won't, if we won't, you know, if we won't do relationship the way unbelievers are doing it. And you can't do relationship well until you go to its origin. The origin of marital relationship is God. God is the originator. Marital relationship, courtship, marriage, wedding, all of those things around marital relationship, they were not ideas of men. They were not things that came into place out of civilization. No. Marriage is not a product of civilization. Marriage is a product of God's idea. And so civilization cannot come and we... we we subscribe to civilization at the detriment of the standard God had placed in place. So the best way to know a product, the best way to know the functionality, to know how something is to operate, you know, is to get it right from the manual, you know, the producer or the manufacturer gave to us. So when you buy a phone, you buy an AC, you buy a TV, if you want to know how best to operate it, just go to the manual. There is a, a small leaflet that is always in a new product you buy. It is called manual. Our own manual as believer, I believe you have heard this times without number, is the word of God. Our own manual of operation 
in this terrestrial ball that God has handed over to us as a guide, as a compass, is his word. So you cannot trade his word for the word. So the word of God is the manual, the manufacturer's manual for doing relationship rights. And so today, what I'm going to be concentrating on is to make a comparison between the world view and God's view. The world's view, W-O-R-L-D, and the world view, W-O-R-D. So we, I, I just want you to just stay with me. And please, I will encourage that you have your scripture, your Bible with you so that you, you compare, you check. If there is something said here and you are not cool with it, there is maybe you have a better knowledge from the scripture, just make use of the WhatsApp icon on the, on the page where you're listening to this and type in your reaction. Type in, let's make it interactive. It, it, I'm, not, I'm not adopting a lecturing section. So let's make, make use of it. Yes, sir. Barista. Okay, so we will be looking at the scripture or the culture. And I'm trusting God to help us debunk the world's view with God's view. You know what brought distortion to man's view or relationship? I consider it to be traceable to the fact that at a point, Man needed to make a decision between what is good and what is godly. The what brought distortion to man's way of operation on any subject matter, marital relationship inclusive, was that at a point in time, man was confronted with making a dichotomy, a, a, a difference. To draw a line or a crystal line of difference between what is goodly and what is godly. So Satan came or the serpent came and told Eve, did God ask you not to eat from this? He said, no, he did not say that, but there is a particular tree that he asked us not to eat. That any day we eat it, we are going to die. And, and, and you know, the devil told her that you will not surely die. And the next thing I saw was that the tree that Eve has been living with over time, the scripture says, and she saw that it was pleasant to behold and to eat. I mean, at that point, she needed to make decision between God's standard and what is good. Yet, it can be good to eat from that tree, but is it God's, are you doing it in compliance to God's injunction? So I know that for young ones, for many of us, even old, old generations, they, they, we are every day on daily basis, we are always confronted with to making decisions between what is godly and what is goodly. Making decisions between what the, the word says and what God says. Making decisions between what the culture embraces and what the scripture embraces. And unfortunately, we dance more to the side of the world. You see, the proof that a man is godly, eh? it is not, I mean, it is not how, you know, engaged or engulfed he is with 
you know, religious activity. The proof that a man is godly is how well he preferences the word of God. So when he needs to make decision between the word, what the word says, and what is obtainable around him, if he does not make a choice, if his decision is not on the word of God, he is not a godly man. So, again, we have laid the foundation. I've said all of those to lay the foundation for you to understand what I mean when we say the scripture or culture as regards relationship. And I need you to take note of the following facts. I call them facts to note. Facts to note. Number one, every institution instituted by God is always being faulted by the devil. Every institution instituted by God is always being fought, F-O-U-G-H-T, and being faulted by the devil. Name it, leadership. God instituted leadership from Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Let us make man in our own image that they will have dominion over this and that. You know, that is how leadership came into place. Name it, marriage. Genesis chapter 2, God said that it is not good that this man should be alone and we make for him and help me. So God instituted, name it, the salvation of our soul. It was God that saw that, no, these people, you know, he, he destroyed a particular generation. Then he had a redemption plan. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. He said the seed of the woman, he already had a redemption plan. So all of this institution, all of these things instituted by God, the devil on daily basis falls and fights it. I mentioned the matter of the salvation of our soul. There is a counterfeit message on salvation, even in this generation, that says that you can be saved and still wallow in sin. That's not God. That's not God. What God says is that in the book of John, he said that how will he sin? He said, for the seed of God is already in him. John the Baptist was speaking in the book of Matthew chapter 3 verse 7 to 8. He said, oh brother vipers who warned you against this destruction, this looming destruction. Verse 8. He said, if you have repented, he said, bring forth fruits that is meant for repentance. What is the fruit that is meant for repentance? It is that the grace of God has appeared to all men, teaching us to say no to all ungodliness. Any grace that, that you are saved by that does not make sin detestable to you, check it. So what I'm trying to say is that leadership, marriage, salvation of our soul, many of the things God instituted has been faulted and is being fought by the devil. Number two fact you should note is that man is a product of both nature and nurture. Meaning that your way, the way you do things is traceable to some innate characteristics or innate features. That is what I call nature. The nurture, the environment you grew up, the, the atmosphere or the environment that made you. So you are a product of nature and nurture. You cannot deny the fact that man will always be at the impulse of the accumulated experiences over time. 
and that is where I need to mention to young ones who are into relationship. You come into relationship with a young guy, you and you want to change him overnight. It's not possible. You can't change anybody. He is a product of the accumulated experiences that brought him up. You can't just format him overnight. <laughs> it's not a phone. It's not a computer system. Man is a product of nature and nurture. So, the environment we grow from, or we grew from rather, has a way of influencing the way we do things. Number three things I need you to note is that man's view on issues will either be based on societal norms, tradition, culture, past experiences, religion, or doctrine. So check it, many of the things you do is traceable to the norms around you, societal norms around you. There is a way of life we live. There are some things that have become a norm to us as Nigerians that if you go to other countries, they are not norms. You know, I shake my head when I see Nigerians putting refuse in the drainage. And people think it is a norm. <laughs> it is it, something out of is something out of logic. So man, we are we are our views on the way we do things, the way you do relationship will be traceable to the norms, the tradition, the culture that you grew from, the, your past experiences. I'm going to talk about past experiences, I mean, as we go on. How it affects the way people do relationship. There are ladies that don't believe that there are good men out there because their father, you know, maltreated their mother. And so to them, every man is like their father. Such a woman or such a lady that says such a thing is a product of her, the experience that made her. Number four facts you should note that irrespective of who preaches what, if it is not traceable to the word, either the spoken word of God or the written word of God or the word of God personified in Christ, it is not an idea to buy into. May I come back on that note? Irrespective of who preaches what, if you cannot trace it from into your Bible, the written word, or what God directly told you, the spoken word, or Jesus himself, the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. So, Jesus is the word of God. If you cannot trace it to these three forms of the word, then it's not an idea to buy from. Matthew chapter 19, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they told Jesus, they said, but Moses told us, he said, in the beginning it was not so. He said, it's because of the hardiness of your heart that Moses gave you such a law. So, some of the things I'm going to be talking about, you can say, hey, this is not what my pastor preaches. But please, like I said, you have the privilege to react to this. But just make sure that you are bringing your fact from the scripture. And that is why I said, please hold your Bible, either your phone Bible or hard copy Bible, so that we can check the word on some of the things we are going to be raising as, as we look at scripture or culture. Lastly, the fact to note is that both God and the devil are interested in your marital life. That's a fact that you may not be aware of. God 
is interested in your marriage. Sister, brother, listening to me. God is interested in your marriage. And I tell you, even the devil is interested in your marriage. It is on whose side you dance that determines the kind of seed you will raise. God is looking for godly seed. Even the devil is looking for agents. Many of the people who lumps around that we see that are instrument, the devil is happy that a womb was a conduit to bring them into this earth. So you must be aware of that, that God and the devil are interested in your marriage. So whose interest will you buy into? Whose interest? So we, we have few issues that we will raise here around marital affairs. But, you know, as we go on in this teaching, I, I prefer to call it teaching because uh, I'm not just, I will be referring you to scripture, then we will bring out issues. So, just astray, let, let the content we will share, let it astray your heart and perspective on these issues that I will be talking about. And be sincere with yourself and ask yourself, am I running by the standard of the scripture or by the standard of culture? Number one is on the issue of the honorability of marriage. Honorability of marriage. What does the scripture say about the honorability of marriage and what does the word say? What does the scripture say about honorability of marriage and what does the culture say? For those of us that are Yoruba people, I'm sure you must have heard some person say that a man can have multiple wives, there is nothing wrong, is a woman that cannot have such. <laughs> I've read a, one of the, 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 you know, the secular musicians saying in Yoruba, Ole la ya kupo, kusong toburu, tobini bala ya meji, o dashewo. For those that understand, what the guy is saying is that you are permitted as a man to have numerous wives. But as a woman, if a woman has an affair outside a lawful husband, she is promiscuous. But is that what the scripture says? The scripture says in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 4, it says that honor your marriage and its vow. I'm reading living Bible now. Honor your marriage and its vow. And be pure for God will punish all those who are immoral and commit adultery. So the honorability of marriage is what God owes with high esteem. I don't care what the culture says about, you know, the defilement of marriage bed. And when we say the defilement of marriage bed, we are not talking about your muka foam or your vita foam. The defilement of marriage bed is tantamount to the defilement of marriage vow. So the scripture says, 
about marriage. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 22, he said that the man who finds a wife finds a good thing. Meaning that marriage is honorable to God. It is a good thing. It is a good thing. Matthew chapter 19 verse 10 to 11 says that Jesus' disciple then said to him, If that is how it is, it is better not to marry. Not everyone can accept this statement, Jesus said. And then Jesus said, Only those whom God help. So meaning that God prioritizes, God places preference on marriage. You can't afford to do it anyhow you like. I'm not talking to the married alone. I'm talking to even the, the singles. Either you are, in, you are in courtship or not. Because it's no longer a news that many are not seeing marriage as something good. I mean, I've been in conversation with some... I, I, I remember while we were, um, I mean, in youth camp, I mean, NYC. I engaged a lady in conversation... And she's saying, marriage is overrated. What if I choose not to marry? Well, I know when people are talking that way, most times, when you see somebody that says that marriage has come, I beg of you, please don't subscribe to that idea. Because many of them, eh, they are speaking from the scar of past disappointment. <laughs> when somebody just look around and say men has come or men has come it's because the person have been into relationship that did not work either one or two or three relationship that did not work and he, he, she or he came to the generality of an idea that all ladies are bad or all guys are wrong no and so they prefer to stay out of marriage Marriage is a provision of God for the fulfillment of the purpose of a man's life. And when I say man, I speak in the generic. So many will tell you that, you know, they, they can choose not to marry. Choosing not to marry is fine. If you are, you've, you've decided to go into celibacy or you are an eunuch, it's fine. Even the scripture says that, that some eunuch, you know, eunuchs, yeah, some persons are like that. But you see, if it is, if your conclusion of stigmatizing marriage is because of the world, the way the world does relationship, ah, then you had better look back to this law of liberty, the scripture. You had better. I see a lot of things on social media and I just shake my head at ignorant men who dance to these issues. You see somebody will just wake up one day and become a, a relationship counselor out of the fact that she has just been jilted. And so she will put on social media status, WhatsApp status, and say, don't trust men. <laughs> don't trust lady. Because somebody has disappointed. And you, you will be nodding your head. I don't care their basis of what they say. If it is against what the scripture says, it is not an idea to buy into. It is not an idea to buy into. Why do you think marriage is not needful? Because you were disappointed before? Come on. 
God's definition is that marriage is honorable. God's definition is that marriage is good. And so if God defines it to be honorable, if God defines it to be good, what should make you think less of the honorability of marriage? Another issue that I think the world has also come up with an idea about is divorce. Divorce. Matthew chapter 19 verse 7 says that then, I mean, the Pharisees speaking now, I've made reference to that, you know, at the beginning. They went to Jesus, said, then why, they asked, did Moses say a man may divorce his wife by merely writing her a letter of dismissal? I'm quoting, I'm quoting from Living Bible. So if you are with KJV, just stay with KJV and follow. Malachi chapter 2 verse 16 says that, for the Lord, the God of Israel says he hates divorce and cruel wives. So if the scripture says God hates divorce, why do we celebrate it in this generation? <laughs> hey, my God. If God, the one who instituted marriage, said that I hate divorce, well, I know that some of us begin to ask that what if there is physical assault in the relationship? These are some of the questions that I've had to answer in sections, relationship sections that have facilitated. Say that what if the guy is maltreating? What if there's physical assault? There's physical abuse? There's emotional abuse? My counsel is that where there can be a separation for them to seek counsel and resolve the issue. But if they separate and the issue is unresolvable, what the scripture says is that both of them are not permitted to marry until one of them dies. Read the scripture. <laughs> you see, marriage is, so, is too sensitive that you can't afford to be casual with it. It's not what you just go into and say, because I'm 18 years, I can start a relationship. Ah, if you rush into it, you will rush out of it. If you don't have the requisite knowledge of how it works. So, I'm talking on divorce. Your idea of divorce, is it on the scripture or the culture? You know, I said sometimes ago, I said, the way I'm looking at divorce in this generation, I won't be surprised. The way people pick Ankara to celebrate wedding, I won't be surprised if they start picking clothes and throwing parties for divorce. Sincerely. Yeah, but, but people are already doing that. They are people are already doing that. <laughs> in fact, that was a story we engaged with on, on the Lord's side. Mm. where And there were Nigerian ladies... Uh, oh. It was someone in Paracourt, and they oh. threw a party just to celebrate that at uh, somebody else. Wow. Exactly. I never knew such. I've, well, I've never been to such party because I can't even go. So can, can you imagine? And I would also be surprised that the ladies referenced they are members of a particular church. I wouldn't be surprised. There is all possibility that they are not Muslims. There is all possibility they are not pagans. <laughs> Lord, help this generation. Help us. 
So you God will control your passion. That is what the scripture says. I can't overemphasize it. I've always said it. I said it in my book, Antidote. If you have not read it, you can chat me up. After now, I'm going to send it to you. Or you go to seller.com, S-E-L-A-R, to download it. I said it is a common quote that I do say that I can't cope. Is not a statement to be said in marriage. It is a statement to be said in courtship. Mm. I can't cope. Whatever you can't cope with, address it from your dating days or your courtship dates, uh, days. Once you take the vow of till death do us part, you had better be sure of what you are going into before you go through the high with a man you don't know or a woman you don't know. The cruciality of marriage is, is, is key that you can't afford to do it anyhow. So divorce is not an option for a believer. We take you through scripture so that you will see it. Divorce is not an option for a Christian. I'm going to take you through scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, verse 12, verse 13, and verse 15. Verse 10, verse 12, 13, and 15. And I'm going to show you that the scripture does not... The scripture says that an unbeliever can divorce. You will see it. But for a believer, you can't. Now, I read the scripture. I say, now, for those of you who are married, I have a command. Not just a suggestion. I'm reading Living Bible. And it is not a command from me, for this is what the Lord himself has said. A wife must not leave her husband. <laughs> yeah, I want to add some suggestion of my own, Paul speaking. These are not direct commands from the Lord, but they seem right to me. If a Christian has a wife who is not a Christian, but she wants to stay with him anyway. He must not leave her or divorce her. So let me quickly say this, my dear. Paraventure, both of you were unbelievers. Both of you had not come to know Christ when you got married. And now you have seen the light. Seeing the light is not an excuse for divorce. That's what the scripture is saying. Once your unbelieving husband or wife is still saying, I do, as a believer, you must also do. <laughs> and I read on. He said, and if a Christian woman has a husband who isn't a Christian and he wants her to stay with him, she must not leave him. Now look at verse 15. Very expedient, salient. He said, but if the husband or wife who isn't a Christian is eager to leave, it is permitted. In such cases, Christian husband or wife should not insist that the other stay, for God wants his children to live in peace and harmony. So what Paul was saying is that 
Divorce is a common issue amongst unbelievers. But for we that we are believers, so you can say that, yes, my neighbor did it. Your neighbor, is she or he a Christian? Now, the next question that might come into your mind is that, but Shem, you have said that divorce is not permitted and God is talking about unbelieving husband wanting to live and unbelieving wife wanting to live. As a believer, you also know that if he or she lives, you have to stay the way you are until that person dies. And please, don't pray that he dies. If you do that, you are a witch or a wizard. Witching that somebody die so that you can, you can now marry. Oh, or going to kidnap. You know, people do a lot of things. So what I'm pointing your attention, when you look at verse 12 and verse 13, it is crystal clear that divorce is not an act of a believer. I repeat, divorce is not an act, a city of a believer. And verse 15 explicitly states that the category of person that can opt for divorce, unbeliever. So my question is, as a believer, what is the basis for you to say, I want to divorce. And you know, I have also come to know that the reason some people even divorce is not that the, there is abuse. I've, seen, I've heard a lady say to, to me that, you know, she, I mean, the fiance works, I mean, worship with an Orthodox church. And he said, the day you become a priest, I will divorce you, even if we are married. Mm. Can you imagine? He said, if you, he said, if you want to be a priest, tell me now so that we can end this relationship. But if you don't, tell me. And you, because she has been seeing the traces in the life of the guy that this one is a godly guy. Maybe one day God can just call him all of a sudden. He said, if in marriage, and what is her basis? Her basis is that she can, because like for me that I'm an Anglican, in Anglican, most of our priests have been transferred within three to four years. Some are even transferred in six months, depending on the, on the directive of the bishop. Mm-hmm. And what our basis of saying she can opt for divorce is that she cannot be parking from one house to another. Mm-hmm. So you can, you, you can, and this is a, a seemingly Christian sister. So the reason some people just opt for divorce, it's crazy when you look at their basis. It's something that sometimes it is not even something that can hold water. You know, when I came across a statistics in a book that I read on relationship that in the Western world, 50% of first marriages end in divorce. I was wild. What does that mean? Meaning that if there are 10 homes, there is possibility that five of them will divorce. And the person went further to say that 75% of second marriages end in divorce. Meaning that those that divorce at first and they remarry, there is all tendency, 75%. Meaning that if four remarries, three will end in divorce. And so we will continue. We've talked about the honorability of marriage and divorce, and we are looking at what does the scripture says about them. Uh, uh, yeah, I welcome our host, 
Yes, I mean, I just want to point out that I mean, I thank God for those who have sent in messages now. And just to remind those who are still who are listening that, yes, you can send in questions. I can send in observations as uh, we, uh, as uh, Brashe, we really continues this uh, this discussion. I, I agree with him very um, absolutely that this is a most important uh, discussion for the for the body of Christ to have uh, right now, scripture or culture. Uh, at every turn in the in the culture, we are going to be called to make a decision. Are you going to choose what the scripture says, or are you going to choose what the culture says? So do not hesitate. Just tap that WhatsApp widget on the bottom right hand corner of our page, or use that box on our page that says "Say something." Look at that box. Say "Say something." Just tap it, and then it will bring up your WhatsApp application, and then you can uh, you, you can type your question or sending your contribution. Okay, over to you now. Thank you very much, Barista. Uh, so, I want to ask you sincerely. In fact, like we've said, you can make, make use of the WhatsApp icon. Let me ask you sincerely, what can make you opt for divorce in your marriage? Either you are married already or you are not. You can just send it. Let's get feedback. Number three things I want to look at on the issue of your perspective, if it is based on culture or scripture, is polygamy. Uh, I know that you say, yeah, that's for the married. May I also say to you, young lady, young guy, scripture or culture, when you talk about double dating, <laughs> because somebody would double date before marriage, who double dates in courtship is a potential polygamous person. So, I, I wonder where we learned this act anyway. All of these things we are talking about. Because God has not changed his standard on one man, one woman coming together to marry each other. One man, one woman. So, when God said it was not good for the man to be alone, the scripture did not say that God created women for Adam. (laughs) My God. So, the the, the origin, the from onset, God, God had started with the issue of one wife one husband. You know, when I read the scripture and Jesus, you know, Peter was asking Jesus, he said, we have left everything. What will be our gain? We have left all. And Jesus turned back to him and said, there is no one that leaves brother, sisters, this and that, that will not get it back in hundredfold. Please, if you can get that scripture, go and read it well. But when Jesus was talking about having hundredfold return, when it came to the issue of those that left wife, he did not say wives will be given to them. Read it, please. You can just go for personal study about that. Go and read that scripture. Jesus said, whoever that leaves wife, he did not say wives. And when he was mentioning that there will be a return, there will be a return, a dividend for living all. He did not say that there will be 
giving to them wise. In fact, he mentioned brother, mentioned houses, mentioned everything. But when he was talking about, he did not mention wife again. But he mentioned wife as part of what you can live. But he did not mention wife multiple that he will give multiple wife. Just go and do go and do a research on what that scripture that I refer to, and see. Because I've heard from more than one. And please, I know. <laughs> oh. You know, Africans, I don't know. I've, do you know, I've heard from ladies, women, saying that they don't mind that it is normal for men to be promiscuous. That it is, that uh, polygamy is the nature of an African man. And this is what they will say. They will say that they don't mind if their husband flex around. Their concern is that you should take care of their children and drop money for food. My God. And my question, or the question that comes to mind is, the, the purpose of marriage, is it just about taking care of children and feeding? I, I don't know what sells this distorted mentality to people. Whatever suggests to you that your man can go and flake around, you know that that is not God. You know that that is not God. So the, the idea that says that man is just there to give you money for food and take care of your children is the same idea behind why ladies who make it financially on time in life, they don't see reason to go for marriage. Because the question is, what will it do for me? I have my house, I have my car, I can take care of myself. So what do I need a man for? And that is why baby mama, mama reason, permit me to use it that way. Baby mamas are flooding everywhere. I can take care of my child, just let me have somebody to impregnate me, then that's all. Where did we get all of this mentality from? Of the truth is from the word, it can't is not from God. And for young ladies, young guys, if you claim you are a Christian and you don't see anything wrong with double dating and polygamy, you are not different from that Samaritan woman that had five husbands and the sixth one she's living with is not her own. And you know why that can be permitted for that Samaritan woman? She had not met Jesus. So what you are telling us is that you are an unbeliever. If you can keep two brothers, three brothers, or you can keep two sisters, three, how do you even cope without lying? And of a truth, Revelation 21 verse 8 has told us the fate of liars. Because you will tell this one, I love you. You tell another one, I love you. So who are you deceiving? Who are amongst them? So the basis, the scripture is that one man to one woman until death do them part. When death comes in, you are freed from the vow of marriage. You can remarry. And that is why, you know, when Permit me to mention him. When Daddy Kumuyi remarried, and you know, I saw a lot of people saying all oh, Jack Robinson all around. 
it, it's allowed. His wife died and he went for another. It's permitted. But when the person is still alive and you can still go on either matrimonial bed or whatever bed, hotel bed, and you can find it convenient to engage in such art, let's check the temperature of your Christianity. Another subject matter I would love to raise before we start attending to questions. I'm sure we cannot exhaust this. We will continue at the next edition. But I'm going to talk on homosexuality. Because it's a subject around relationship that we should consider. Homosexuality and other... You know, well, I'm not going to be talking on the, the, the people who, who, do, who also go as far as, you know, having sexual relationship with animal. Oh, my God. Romans chapter 1 addressed that. He said they forsake the natural thing for the unnatural. He said at a point, God just left them to a reprobate mind to do what is not convenient. What is not convenient is not convenient. It's, it's beyond human reasoning. That a human being will stoop low to have sexual relationship with a pet, with an animal. And so, in the Western world, is becoming also a norm on homosexuality. In fact, there are churches that wear, you know, same gender. A man and a man, one will be husband, one will be wife. A woman and a woman, one will be husband, one will be wife. These are part of the evidence of the end time. A believer cannot afford to tow this path. You cannot tow this path and end up with God. So when God created Adam and he was to create an helpmeet, he created a womb man. A man that has a womb called woman. So when you see lesbianism and gay is on the rising in this generation, it is a, a, a pointer to the fact that some people had forsaken God. It is a pointer. So I don't expect that any believer who claims to have met with Jesus does not have anything wrong or does not see anything wrong with this act. Marriage is meant to be between a man and a woman, not same, same gender. Same gender relationship is not godly, it's satanic. I say that without apology without apology. And so, we've talked on the issue of the honorability of marriage, on divorce, on polygamy, and double dating, on homosexuality, and the underlining question is that on all these factors we've talked about, what is your, your, the compass? Is it the scripture or culture? So, we're going to attend to question, then we take it up from there, Next, at the next edition, next edition, we will continue on scripture or culture. And if we are able to finish up on time, we go to another series tagged 
marriage or mirage. I know you guys will be listening to the voice of uh, their brother, Sheung Oedele, for this month's edition of Impact Clinic on Gospel Best Radio. We have this, and thank you very much, Ma, for joining us today. She has written saying, God bless you for this spirit-filled message and teaching. Thank you. Don't you think one-on-one witnessing will help the God save our generation? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. I mean, by one-on-one witnessing, I believe you're saying engaging people individually to understand this. Yes, it is good. We can. We are doing our best at the grassroots level. And that is why we believe if you have this understanding, you also go back to affect. And this one-on-one engagement, you will do well to concentrate on the teenagers. Mm. Because I believe that if they get it right, most times teenagers fall prey of many things, many things like throw at them. They take it in hook, line, and sinker. They don't have knowledge. They are naive. So their mind is still tender. Mm-hmm. So we should, if you have them in your church, you are a Sunday school teacher, you are a choir master, and you have all of these people, beyond let's gather together to sing him, and these are issues that should be raised. True. I, I've just finished a, a seven days program with a particular church, and... I told them that there are things that should be addressed in the church. There are issues. You know, we just think it is wrong for any believer at this time to think that everything he just needs to focus on as engaging believers is on spiritual matters alone. Engage people on contemporary issues. Engage them on, you know, social matters. People are naive. Even the spiritual issues you think you are engaging them with, they don't have understanding. So bring them back to the basis. So individual witnessing is fine, but we, we all have that responsibility. She daily we do his part, you also have to do your part. And that is why we brought this up on radio. We have some of these things in our books that we've written. We have a WhatsApp platform where yeah. we talk, we our social media platform, we engage and raise all of these issues. And I see the Lord helping our generation in the name of Jesus. Amen. In fact, but what I suspect that she's asking okay. is that we also encourage people, like people who are, who are Christians, okay. to do one-on-one witnessing. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes. Not, not directed at what you're I mean, what I'm doing is fantastic here on radio okay. and other platforms. Okay. Uh, but I wish you also uh, tell our listeners that as Christians, for those who already know the truth, okay. each of us has a duty you know, to go out on one of... And, uh, I mean, if I may just talk about this a bit more, I, I, I hope you agree with me as well that one of the uh, one of the challenges for the body of Christ right now is that we do not do enough evangelism as the church used to do in the past. Exactly. You know, when in those days, churches would go out maybe in the evening, Sunday evenings, or just go out and then yes. talk to people. Yes, and then even individual Christians, I, I'm sure that if we do a poll and people answer faithfully, mm. only very few. Yes, sir. We say that they still engage in one-on-one evangelism. You see somebody just bring up the matter of Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, what can we do about that? Because it, it relates to this as well. Exactly. Uh, I mean, number one, it's what the scripture teaches. Mm-hmm. And number two, uh, we can also engage people like that on all, on all these issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, in fact, expedient. It's, mm. it's, it's expedient. It's a matter. 
it's a matter. And so the question is, what can we do? Yeah. What we can do is that the truths that we have known should mm. not keep short about it. Exactly. If you know the truth, because it's the truth that we liberate men. Truth mm-hmm. has the capacity to liberate. Absolutely. So when you know the truth, don't know it just for yourself. Find means of reaching out. One-on-one engagement on the bus, you know, in your class as a student in school, you know, amongst your friends, on your WhatsApp platform, put up a piece, a, a little article, address issues. Well, don't care who, how many people read it, even if it is just one person. Everyone rejoice if one soul gets it right. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Hmm. Everyone will rejoice if only one soul gets it right, gets it right. And that's so important. I mean, the other question that I want to ask is the question of, of uh, how we are to contend for the heart and minds of the young ones. You mentioned it, that teenagers, they are the people, they are easily impressionable. Uh, many of them don't know their right from left, understandably so. And I think we parents, many of us are failing in our duty, you know, to really feel the heart of these people. I mean, look at what is there, uh, the alternative on social media, the alternative on Netflix, on DSTV, horrible, horrible movies. I mean, sometimes I sit down with my family and, and we find it difficult to find a movie or program that is free of all this content. Mm-hmm. And then even Nigerian movies now, you find, I think there is a particular one I know where you find them like actively promoting homosexuality, actively promoting promiscuousness, which, which is what we call it from a Christian point of view. So uh, are there practical things we can do as parents, at least to make sure that to lessen the impact of the culture on children and increase the impact of the scripture? Yeah, for parents or for every one of us that have younger ones around us, yeah. how to actively you know, debunk all of this idea is number one, understand the fact that information is key. Yeah. A life that will not be deformed in life must have access to correct information. Mm. That's one. Number two, understand the fact that you don't need to wait until they are old. Mm. You know, the parents think some things are not worth sharing with their children yet. True. They think they are not worth sharing, but those children are getting more things out. Outside, exactly. Before they wake up and say, ah, this guy is now 19, this guy is now 20. From nine years, Hmm. the girl has access to internet Hmm. and has learned a lot of what the lady or the guy had learned for about six, seven, eight years that he had accumulated, you are now struggling to use cane to correct it. Exactly. No. So, and that is why the scriptures say, train up a child, not train up an adult. And you know that training means there will be engagement. You can't train somebody without engaging the person. Yeah. And that's why family altar is key. Hmm. Any family that that does not take family altar serious. Mm. I mean, it's not that you just come and pray, our father was in heaven, and you go. The place of study, the place of praying together is awesome, is key. It's key. And it must be taken with all zeal and intentionality. Wow. So there you have it. Uh, this month's episode of Impact Clinic. And if you ask me, this has been really, really impactful. We thank God for all everybody who has tuned in. We also thank God for those who are going to join us in the future. 
those who are going to uh, who are going to who are going to tune in in the future to this uh, to, to to listen to this recording. This is the most important one. And as she was mentioned right now, what is most important is uh, for us to start from our family. And that's what our Lord Himself said, right? When he said, look, start from Jerusalem and then to the other part of the world. So start from within your family. Uh, keep the altar fire burning. Don't wait until it's too late to inculcate this thing in our children. As our listeners mentioned, thank you, Mommy Oji. Uh, let us not forget the role of one-on-one witnessing, which is very important. And as Rabbi Dili has said, it should always be the scripture above the culture. Thank you very much. Please say a word of prayer. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you because the light in your word has the capacity to liberate us. Oh, yes. For as many that have, that have joined this section, but they are corporate of some of these things that we have said, mm-hmm. mercy we find them. Amen. And retrace their paths back to God. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. And for those who are walking in darkness out there, as the scripture says that those who walk in darkness have seen a great light. Yes. We declare there will be light. Amen. There will be revival in our churches to speak the truth and address pertinent issues as this. Amen. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. And yes, thank you so very much for joining us today for this month's episode of Impact Clinic. We look forward to you joining us again. Uh, once we have the link ready for this episode, Uh, but we're going to circulate it. God bless you. God bless you real good.